Barbara Friedman joins us. She's taking a look at things trending on social media, and she's here to report the following. The following is that the trending stories this morning are Bafana Bafana and Nigeria. And in fact, when I walked through this office early this morning, that is all I heard being discussed by everyone, not least of which your technical producer, Joe. Mm. who what? has been like giving us lectures about what's going to happen tonight. And, and what's he seeing in his crystal ball? What is he saying? What does Pastor, Pastor Joe say? <laughs> I said, we're not going to win one knee. Yeah. <laughs> so, on Pastor that note, Joe Pastor faith. Joe has spoken. His faith. So, I just thought it was interesting. A couple of articles posting interesting facts about these games. Um, so, it's been 24 years since Bafana was in... Uh, a semi-final in this and in fact they were playing against Nigeria then in 2000 24 years ago which they lost to um, Null in Lagos at the time and they were also knocked out um, by Nigeria in 2019 in the quarterfinals so here we go again but what I thought was a little bit disturbing was that the Niger- I thought this was fake news yesterday when I saw it the High Commission of the Federal Republic of Nigeria put out an advisory on safe conduct for Nigerians in South Africa before, during, and after this match, and quoted some sort of weird comments from social media about Nigerians cooking jollof rice before the match and all these kind of weird social media comments. And you know what? Like, really, obviously on social media there are going to be these comments. I'm not sure that it requires putting out, like, some sort of xenophobic warning, which is what they did. And then Durko actually put out a statement, our Department of International Relations and Cooperation has said, they put out a statement saying they've learned of this unfortunate advisory issued by the High Commission of the Federal Republic of Nigeria in Pretoria, and they're saying, you know, it's creating false alarm, unnecessary tension, etc., and um, let's just all, you know, get on with it. But I just thought the fact that they responded to it at all, the whole thing is a bit odd, and yeah. I really think, um, yeah, look... If Bafana wins tonight, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, when they win uh, Sorry, tonight. when they win, Joe, when yeah. they win. Okay. Was... And, yeah, let's see what happens. I mean, I must say the Gies is just growing, and obviously it's going to be, I'm assuming, streaming on SABC1 tonight. Um, and if you don't have a television, there is that SABC streaming app that you can actually download now, which is free. I did that for one of the matches during the Rugby World Cup. So it actually is a nice opportunity for all South Africans to gr- get on tonight and watch um, and get behind Bafana Bafana. Okay, let's go to, to the Grammys. Again, I know we're sort of having these, these aftermaths of the Grammys, but I do think the Tracy Chapman story caught my eye. You know, in the late 80s, when her album Fast Cars was released, I was absolutely, I loved that album so much. I had the tape, you know, which is what we had at the time. And, and I played in Zimbabwe? Yeah, and I actually went to that concert. Why did I just instinctively, instinctively think that you'd knew there? that. That was called Human Rights Now! Exclamation mark. It was coordinated by Amnesty International. And in 88, some of my friends and I decided to go and... Now, I was reading some stuff that's been written, blogs from people who were there as well, and I was just watching some of the old footage of that incredible um, that performance. There were 80,000 people in that sports stadium in Harare in 88. There was Spr- uh, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, Yusuf Andu, Peter Gabriel, and, of course, Tracy Chapman.
who sang to this incredible throng of 80,000 people, which at the time I thought was a little bit of a large crowd for her style because, you know, she's indies, blues nah. kind of folk. Well, it was just because she's quite quiet. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was I'm such sure. a massive audience and you kind of almost wanted to be more intimate. But what a privilege to have been there. We had been driving around Harare that week playing that tape in our car like all week. Sure. And it was just incredible. I can't believe you were there. I hate you. Yeah. And then just to say, so after this Grammy's performance now, you know, her album and her, the song has gone to number one on Apple um, iTunes. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's some similar things have happened. I think Joni Mitchell had happened to. It's these, when they, they get another outing in the new, in this, in this time, um, they get a whole lot of new fans and a whole new audience. And for even the old audience like me, there's a whole reawakening of that music. And I love that. I do love that that is something that can happen now on our sort of streaming platforms. So you're saying the millennials are coming to their senses? Well, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But Okay, sorry. That was a joke. That was a joke. You love putting your foot in I it, do. You? I do. Millennials will hate me anyway. Okay. And then finally, this, these photographs are spectacular. This is of Buffle, the southern elephant seal who's making waves on Honoris Beach. And they are just the most incredible photographs taken by Meredith Thornton, who is the national standing coordinator of the SA Stranding Network. So she's an expert in animals that strand themselves on the beach. And I thought rather than me describing Buffle's situation, we've got her on the line and she's going to explain it to us. Welcome, Meredith. Hi, Meredith. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I suppose the question that I was wondering, although I, I did see some of the answers, was what makes these enormous animals cl you know, crawl onto the beach and chill out there? Well, um, elephant seals need to come ashore only to really reproduce and to molt. They have a molt once a year. So they are not breeding along our South African shores of the main continent, but they do breed um, on the Southern Antarctic Islands. So this uh, special feature that has stolen the hearts of many South Africans um, seems to have um, been hanging around South Africa uh, for quite a long time. And um, he was first actually seen in um, 2014 wow. at Biffle's Bay in the Cape Point Nature Reserve. And uh, that is, he was um, tagged by um, our National Department of Forestry, Fisheries and the Environment there. And ever since then, he's been seen almost every year um, somewhere along the coast of South Africa. There were two years that he wasn't reported. Um, I think after, say, 2020, 2021, he wasn't reported anywhere. But he may well have come ashore somewhere mm. um, quiet where there were no people. So he comes ashore here to, for the most part, just to rest a little bit and then also to molt. And he's now, he's almost, we, we guesstimate that he's at the age um, where he will first start, you know, learning to defend the territory um, amongst the big boys down on the South Antarctic Islands. And um, maybe he'll even uh, breed later this year. And how long do they generally stay on the beach? So sometimes they come ashore and they just seen for a couple of days and they just sort of rest and relax and then they go back to sea. But we're really, really hoping because of the timing, there's been the February-March time when he usually seems to molt, that he will actually be ashore for the whole molt. 
So what's really interesting about um, elephant seals is that they go into what's called a catastrophic molt. So that means that they shed the entire upper layer of their epidermis and all of their fur. Um, And it takes a little bit of, it takes up to a month and it gets very, very itchy and um, they look, they can look really scraggly and unhappy, but they're really fine. They're adapted to um, handle being ashore for that time and not eating. So they do, they lose a lot of weight and all of their energy goes into, um, you know, replacing their, their, their old coat and they get this really beautiful new sleek coat. Maybe just finally, just tell us, so what should people do if they see something like a buffle on the beach? I know you've got signs up there that say, stay, stay clear, be responsible and respectful. And I just wondered, are people in Onrus doing the right thing? Some people are and some people aren't. I think um, some people think that they can kind of get a natural experience mm. by using their cell phone and, you know, just fast approaching him really quickly and, it's really not the right thing to do. Okay. You know, we need to respect him. He doesn't have a fear of humans because of where, you know, the life he leads. And um, one must never forget it's a wild animal. And that goes for all wild animals. We need to treat them with respect. So um, there are barriers put up there for a reason. And people need to okay. respect those barriers. And especially not, you know, smoke around him, make a noise. I noticed, I spent two and a half hours with him yesterday and I noticed that, you know, there are people that um, allowing their children to scream and other Meredith, we're people gonna, we're gonna, their, we, their dogs lose. We, we are out of time. I, I wish we had more time yeah. to, to hear your advice on how to deal with a buffalo, a buffalo landing on our shores. But we appreciate the time and I think you've alerted us to some very important stuff there, Meredith Thornton. Thank you very much.